Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 253. In this episode, we discuss our favorite HubSpot workflow actions, and also think why are we seeing smart TV in our device reports, plus some YouTube advertising trends and LinkedIn ad tips. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks and strategies for growing your sales, service, marketing, and operations results, Craig. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Belly from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm really well. And you know I love workflows, Ian. We both we love workflows. We both love workflows. And so we're going to talk about, well, some of our favorite workflow actions, but I've created a new shot. We're going to do it every week. It's going to be our... HubSpot workflow action of the week. And you know what? Changes all the time. And we always discover new things. That's what I love about it. It's they're yes. making our life easier. Actually, I'm going to chat about one of those today. Yeah. But before we get to that, why am I seeing smart TV in my device reports? Have you seen this? Smart TV and gaming I didn't console? until you showed it to me this afternoon. Yeah. We're starting to see this pop up. So, for example, if you're in HubSpot's traffic analytics devices report. I've got a screenshot here where we can see it. Yeah, starting to see some smart TV traffic and gaming console. I'm like, oh, where's that coming from? Well, in shot seven, we're going to chat through why that's happening, but I'll give you the spoiler alert. It's probably your YouTube ads. We'll come to that later in the show. Now, listeners, don't forget, uh, Inbound is not far away, so you can register for Inbound, and this year it is virtual. But also, Craig, you want to be joining the 28-day HubShots marketing challenge for people that are using HubSpot Marketing Professional. So we encourage you to sign up for our next cohort, which will be starting at the start of next month. So if you're interested, please go to hubshots.com and register your interest. All right, here are some quick shots, Craig. Google is rolling out some core updates in July. So don't be surprised if you're seeing fluctuations in your analytics and your reporting. Why would that be a problem to us? I think we talked about this a couple of shows ago. They started rolling it out in June. And at the time, Danny Sullivan, who's kind of the Google search liaison, said, we're doing this in two parts. First part was in June. And then, of course, there was Massive fluctuations there. Second part's been July, and that started rolling out about a week ago, so or a bit over. So you're starting to see some of those effects coming through because globally it starts in the US, then rolls out throughout the rest of the world. So yeah, listeners, if you're starting to see some fluctuations, that's probably why. And let it settle down for a bit before you panic or celebrate. But yeah, just a an FYI that that's happening. Listeners, if you have not looked at your analytics for a little while, now would be a good time to do that. Well, actually, you know what? Now's not a good time because <laughs> you might panic or you might celebrate too early because they do come up and down. So <laughs> have a look. But it's, uh, yeah, it is changing. But yeah, don't, don't, don't run and do something silly. All right. On to our HubSpot Marketing Feature of the Week, Craig. We have advanced workflow actions. Yeah. So, as we mentioned in the start, so workflow actions. So, what are, what are actions? Just a quick reminder. If you're in HubSpot uh, Pro, Marketing Pro or above, you have workflows going. And a workflow has two main parts, which is one, the trigger. What triggers it to start? What enrolls a contact or any other object in the workflow? And then it has actions. And so an action might be send an email or have a bit of a delay. So 
This show, we're actually talking about one of our favourites, which is the delay until event happens action. Now, this rolled out about 12 months ago, and we actually previously covered it. We, well, about 12 months ago in episode 212, but worth a revisit because we've been starting to use this more, and I know you're using it in some very sophisticated workflows you were showing me, Ian. Essentially what it does is it allows you to delay passage through a workflow until a particular event happens. Now, what's an event? Could be a web page being visited, could be a form being submitted, could be an interaction with an email, and it could be a property value changed. And now that's probably the most powerful one, a property value being changed, because you can actually set up a custom property and then based on other things such as lists or workflows, other workflows happening, you could actually populate that property value change, or you could even do it manually. So that gives you probably the most power. Essentially, you've got, let's say, a contact going through a workflow. And if it's a property value change, you could wait for that to happen and based on any, any criteria. So for example, a CTA being clicked, that's actually not one of the default events that you could use to delay, but you could easily create a list based on that, which triggers a workflow, which triggers a custom property, which then freeze up this delay from happening. So that's overly complex. I probably wouldn't actually do that, but that's an example of the power that you have. And the other thing to mention, if you're if you're on marketing enterprise and you're part of the custom behavioral events beta, you can actually create behavioral events which are then part of this delay. So one of those events. So for example, uh, custom behavioral events, we haven't chatted about that, I don't think, on the show, but we'll chat maybe in a future episode. You can create an event on something happening on your website, like a button being clicked, a link, or a video being interacted with, some any kind of custom behavioral event. You could then use that within this action within a workflow. So if you're listening to this listener and you're, you're going, what, what on earth was he talking about then? That sounded really complex. Yes, that's actually a good thing. The amount of power you have in these workflows with something like this, just a delay, means you can drop contacts into workflows and then wait for any kind of action almost in order to, for them then to um, progress through the workflow. Very powerful. And then just one mention, which is you've got an override, so you don't want people getting lost forever. You can actually override it and say, look, after a couple of days, if it hasn't happened, continue on anyway. You're actually going to expand on this later in shot six, aren't you, Ian? That's right. So it could be days, hours, minutes, and there is an option to delay as long as possible, which I think is about, I think I put one into this, I think it's about 10 years or five years. years? I think it's three years. It's about 1,400 and, oh no, it could be five years. Yeah, I think it's about five years, Craig. Yeah, five years. So yeah, and that's the other option as a fail safe so they don't get stuck in there. It's almost like for fun, you know what we should do? should create a workflow that for fun puts Brian Halligan into a workflow <laughs> for as long as possible. And then sometime five years from now, we send him an email that says, just telling you this came You've out exited. of a workflow from the longest time possible. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, there we go. I think Damesh would ap- appreciate that. Yeah, we'll send it to Damesh. That's right. One workflow in our portal purely for Damesh to get an email the longest delayed as long as possible. That's right. I wonder right. if you'd be able to validate that it was actually from a workflow. What could we do? We could name the subject of the email from... Ah, oh, <laughs> yes. 
All nice. right, now let's not get too geeky here, but onto our HubSpot sales feature of the week. And what we wanted to highlight here is another workflow that you could use to assign a user, a team, or rotate it between people and how to engage a new contact. And there's an example of a workflow where we assign it to a person in sales, then we notify them internally via the internal SMS feature. The next thing we do is we send the user the information pack, and this is using the marketing side of the system. So we're sending a email externally. Then what we do is we follow up with an SMS, and this is done through an SMS integration. We follow them up to say, tell them to check their email because often emails that get triggered might end up in promotions or in other areas of their email systems just so that they know that they've, we've sent it. So it's a really good way to follow up. Then we want to check back. And so one of the things we were doing in this workflow is the action we want them to take is to book a meeting to talk to somebody. So what we were doing is we were checking to see if the meeting was booked and if that wasn't happening after a certain time. We're setting up another follow-up email, followed later by a few days by another SMS and then exiting that workflow. So there's a really good way to help sales initially get some interaction and get them responding back to people before they pick up the phone, if it's right for that business. Yeah. And what you've highlighted too is that workflows are equally powerful for sales as well as marketing. And I tend to overlook that myself because I guess I'm so focused on the marketing side, but it's so powerful for sales workflows as well. All right. On to our Hustle Workflow Action of the Week, Craig. And this is using the output from an earlier action in this workflow option. And this is relatively new. Yeah, so this is the follow-on from shot three, and I, and I said you'd pick this up. So we have that delay until event happens action, but one of the sub-options within that is you can actually say, well, I'll actually use the output from an earlier action in this workflow. If you're listening to this, folks, and going, oh, my goodness, this is confusing. It's actually not. <laughs> it's really beautiful when you use it in the interface. But yeah, talk us through it, Ian. And listeners, I think one of the biggest things you can do is when you visualize it, it makes far more sense than listening to us speak about it. And we put some great images in the show notes for you to have a look at that you can replicate in your own HubSpot portals. Yeah. Sign up for the show notes, but um, listen to us to get the gist of what you can do, what's possible. Get the show notes for the details. That's right. So with this particular action, what the example shows us in here is we are creating a task for the contact owner. And what the delay does is it delays until the property value of the task has been changed to completed. So we're basically waiting for the user to complete the task before it continues on. And that's the power of using the output from the earlier action in this workflow. And again, it also has the delay with time also a part of this. So like we've discussed earlier in shot three, you can delay this for minutes, hours, days, or for an indefinite amount of time, which I think is about five years, that the person will be in that workflow at that point. And you'll be probably wondering why would we do that? Because we're trying to wait for a predetermined time for that to change or to move people along without getting stuck. I'd love to know a scenario. So listeners, if you've got a scenario where a couple of years delay makes sense, please let us know. The ones I can think about are renewals. I can I can quite imagine an annual renewal 
kind of being part of a workflow, wait for them to fill out a renewal a year later, and then the workflow triggers on. So I can understand that. But yeah, delaying for five years, let, let us know actually a, a good scenario for that. All right. On to our HubSpot service feature of the week, Craig. How to get a list of contacts who have tickets but not deals. Here's an interesting one. Uh, working with a client, uh, they're setting it up, actually they're replacing other systems, and they've got a scenario where a, a contact goes through a deal, and then when the deal is marked as closed one, it creates a support ticket, and essentially that's when sales hand over to customer delivery. Now, because this is being set up along the way, some tickets were manually added, and then some deals before the workflow was enabled hadn't create ticket. So the client was, look, how do I get a list of contacts where I can see that they've got deals and tickets? How do I actually work that out? And it's actually, it's not as easy as you might think because initially I went through a list for contacts because you can have the number of associated deals, but there's no associated tickets property against a contact. I don't know if that'll come, but It'd be good if it did. So then I was like, oh, I can't do that. And so then I was like, well, how do we create a list of both? So there's two ways. The first way you're probably going to go down is you're going to go to deals and you're going to create a list of deals and then sort by customers. And then you'll go to tickets and you'll create a list of tickets, a view of tickets, and you'll sort by customers. You'll export them both out to Excel and you'll do like a lookup or matching so that you can see, right, this contact had a deal and doesn't have a ticket, or this contact actually has a ticket but no deal, or the numbers don't match. So that's one way. It's a little bit messy. Then the other way is like, well, how do we do it? Well, dun-dun-dun, custom reports to the rescue. So in the show notes, got a few screenshots. You can basically pick your primary data source, which would be contacts, and then choose to include deals and tickets as well. And then you essentially are doing a pivot. So the outcome that you get, and I've got all this in the show notes showing you how you get there, is a list of email addresses, that's your contacts, then it's got a count of tickets and a count of deals. And you can sort that however you like, but then you export that out a single report, say to a spreadsheet, and then you've got them all, and then you can filter them out and say, well, show me only the contacts that have a mismatching number of deals and tickets. They're the ones that you're gonna have to fix. The great thing about this custom report is that then it gets updated in real time. So as people go through and fix it or update the associated objects on a contact, this report, essentially, we want to see it go to zero with no mismatches on it. So there you go. And it's a really nice way to check for future issues as well. And that's the power of HubSpot reporting. Hey, yeah, custom reports. Really, really good. All right, on to our marketing tip of the week. And we talked about this in our earlier shot about YouTube advertising on TVs, Craig. There's some interesting turns coming out. And this is a lot of this is probably a result of the pandemic and our viewing habits. But what they're seeing now in advertising, this is in the US, is that around 40% of the ads shown on YouTube are being shown on TVs. So that's up from about 12% a few years ago. What this means is that people's viewing behavior of YouTube has changed from, oh, I'm just looking at it on my phone or my tablet, to now I'm watching it on my TV. So YouTube has moved to the living room. And that's exciting in, in a number of ways. So viewing habits have changed, but the trend that that then obviously enables is that the people are seeing more YouTube ads on the TV. So... What that means is your messaging may have to adapt. 
if you've got direct call to actions on your YouTube ads, it's unlikely they're going to get as effectively clicked on your TV. I mean, who's clicking YouTube on their TV? Probably no one. But they can still work as a brand call to action. So this is similar to when you see an ad in the Super Bowl and your action is, oh, well, I'm on my phone. I'll go and check it out now. So most people are probably sitting in their living room watching YouTube on the TV, but they've still got their mobile or their tablet in their hand doing something else, playing games, looking at web, etc. I guess what this means is that the messaging you're positioning to people, because they're now seeing it in the living room, it's following them around everywhere. I mean, we're not yet seeing it on Alexa and other devices and just wait till our smart glasses or what did they come out, you know, the heads up displays that we'll all be wearing in a couple of years time. But you've got a broader advertising canvas to reach people across. And so YouTube ads are one way to get into the living room. So I think that's quite interesting. It also means that your retargeting messaging can pick up on that. And as we said in shot one, that's why you're starting to see smart TV come through on your analytics uh, reports. Because some people do click, I guess, uh, on their TV, it's going to be rarer, but that's where some traffic will come through. Correct. And also the other thing that you might discover, there is Game Console on there as well, showing up as a channel on that report, which is very interesting. Now, Craig, I've just been observing YouTube usage, I guess, over the pandemic because they stream, so example, they stream church over YouTube. And so we might all watch that over YouTube. But also the boys and my kids, I've noticed their habits of watching YouTube as well on the TV. So they started, now that they see the app on there, because we have a smart TV, I see them interacting with that and the way they watch it. And what's really interesting, you see all the ads that are appearing and the effect the ads have on them. And it's it's fascinating because I hear them repeat the ads, like if it's a jingle that you can remember or a particular, something that's catchy, they remember it. And sometimes I'm, I, I'm like shocked because I'm like listening to them and they're like, they hear it and the next minute they're like onto it and they're repeating it word for word. And I'm like, wow, it's like you realize the good ones, how memorable they are and how much, how many ads are actually in between what they're watching that makes them really take note of different things. Like they were repeating ads about insurance and about other things. I was like, when did you hear that? As a parent, you're like often surprised at what goes in and just made me so aware. Oh my goodness. Like there is so much stuff that is coming through YouTube that they just, it just happens to be the course of them watching, but they take note of it. And I think that's what you rightly said is like, is the messaging correct? Is it direct? Is it is it memorable, for instance? And are they getting that message through for what they want to achieve? So let me ask you this, Ian. Why haven't you yet subscribed to YouTube Premium I'm to remove lazy, ads? Craig. <laughs> I will have to. Yeah. I've just been lazy. Is that it? Because it's only 12 bucks, right? Or I don't know how much it costs, 10, 15 yeah. bucks a month. To see no Correct. ads. And I think and I think for, for us, like I would probably I'd buy the plan that covered the whole family. So that's probably one of the things. And I just haven't done it. Yeah, I'm I'm just interested in why. Uh, because I know the majority of people don't have it. They're happy to sit through ads. I, I'm not. I, I can't I can't stand them. Yeah, I'm just interested why. And I am also curious because we run a lot of ads 
for people. I am also curious to see the different kinds of ads that get run and what kinds of ads are out there and what videos they target. So that's another reason. Right. Why so I you're using my- it as an exposure to the type of advertising out there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It. Yeah, that makes because more sense. and more, I'm seeing a lot of people shift dollars into YouTube ads mm. and the different kinds of YouTube ads. So mm. that's been a really interesting. Yeah, and that makes sense for you. But for your kids, I'm wondering because no. um, I mean, you can't protect them from all the advertising. Obviously, it's everywhere. But with YouTube being such a big part of their lives, I'm just wondering if removing I ads agree. from their I need to do it influence is a is a is a good thing. Yeah, healthy. All right, on to our insight of the week, Craig. And now, this I actually is a book don't you have. Were reading. Yeah, I actually don't have this insight ready yet. It's not fully formed in my mind. I've been thinking about this idea, but I will just mention to people what it's about. And in next week or the coming weeks, I'll, I'll expand on it. It's all around mindset. And I read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck again, and I finished it on the weekend. By the way, if you, like me, read it years ago, you probably read the original version. There's an updated version. Well worth reading it because she adds a few extra parts throughout, particularly around uh, recognizing a false growth mindset and other things. If you've read it before, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't read it, you wouldn't have any idea what I'm chatting about. But this book, it's a bit of a classic. So I think most listeners probably have heard of it if they haven't yet read of it. And I really recommend it. It's a life-changing book, in my opinion. It was kind of my book of the year, I think, in 2016. Uh, again, I read it. And you know some of the discussions we've been having recently, Ian, and you how I've really been struggling with mindset stuff and just trying to you know, reset. And this book was has been fantastic. So I've been thinking about not only in my life, but also in business and also marketing. And it's going to be a key part of we've got a company-wide update uh, this week we're going to be chatting about, and it's part of the culture that we're building here at, well, at Zen in our company. So that's just a little bit of a sneak peek. I recommend it to listeners, and perhaps if you have a look at it or reread it or read it in the coming weeks when I chat more about the insight, you'll be uh, be able to relate. And you had some good notes here, Craig. You said, thinking about your marketing mindset Do you have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset when it comes to your marketing skills? That's the question to ponder, and that's what I'll chat about in future episodes. And I would even add to that your sales skills. That's an excellent example, and that will fit in very nicely, yes. Now, on to our HubShot throwback of the week. And believe it or not, Craig, a year ago, HubSpot had the introduced the ability to add custom HTML into the head section of individual blog posts. Now, people be like, why does that matter? But it's just one of those things that gives you more control to do more tracking or to run more tests and make things better. Now, listeners, in saying that, if you didn't listen to last week's show, we talked about testing, about keeping a testing log. And I want to encourage you to go back because... It was actually one of the things that Craig had implemented uh, for a client and I implemented and took that for another client of ours and put it into a Google Sheet, which I then embedded into a dashboard in HubSpot so everyone can have a look at it. So well worth it. And Craig, maybe we should create that sheet that they can copy it and put it into their portals. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. All right, onto our resource of the week, Craig. And this is Conversion Excel. We love Conversion Excel. We do. And their guide to LinkedIn ads. Yeah, look, it's a pretty good guide. I mean, there's tons of these guides around. I just call it out because I trust Conversion Excel. 
But look, they've got some good tips and I'll just highlight one, which is around setting your bid prices as they recommend. Always go manual bidding and always go low, uh, especially if you're on a limited budget. And yeah, I won't say any more of that. You've also put some links to other additional resources and I've got a screenshot there in the show notes, which will make sense when you see it, people. That's right. So there's a Watch Me series about how to advertise better on LinkedIn by LinkedIn. So just be aware of that. And also a LinkedIn ads tips and best practices from LinkedIn on their site. All right, Craig, on to our quote of the week. Over to you. Well, you picked this one, which is good. It's by Carol Dweck, author of Mindset, the book we just talked about. Uh, it's a longish quote. I'll just read it out. It says, mindset change is not about picking up a few pointers here and there. It's about seeing things in a new way. When people change to a growth mindset, they change from a judge and be judged framework to a learn and help learn framework. Their commitment is to growth and growth takes plenty of time, effort and mutual support. And if you don't know what a growth mindset is, uh, that's the whole point of the book. We will be chatting about that in future episodes. Well, listeners, again, please share this with somebody that you know who is either considering using HubSpot or is using HubSpot. And if you haven't already, sign up for the show notes at hubshots.com. And Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.